It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, the numbers don't lie when it comes to the Braves. Also, how close are the Atlanta Hawks to Boston or Golden State? And man, I was going through how many starting spots are really locked up for the Falcons. It's not all that good. All that and more, it is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. It is a Tuesday morning. Hope everybody had a great holiday weekend. Hope you took a minute or two to remember our fallen soldiers that uh, we honor and celebrate on Memorial Day. We ask you to head over to YouTube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your browser, subscribe to the channel, give us a comment or two, tell us what you think about the show. And as always, you can follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Gee, it seems like we say this a lot, doesn't it? Uh, Braves lost again last night, and the Mets won. Nine and a half games now. Uh, so here's the thing. I, I always love baseball fans, right? One of the things I love about baseball fans, because the baseball season is so long and so arduous and just seems like it never wants to end, right? I always laugh because baseball fans, it's very easy to always move the needle wherever you need it to, to fit your argument, right? It's never too late in baseball, right? So you get the people say, oh, I, you know, I wait a month, you know, into the season. All right, well, we're a couple of months into the season. Well, you know, I, I don't even look at the standings until Memorial Day. Okay, well, Memorial Day was yesterday. Well, you, you know, I wait until June before I start looking at, you know, everything in baseball. Okay, June is tomorrow. Well, you, you know, I, I wait till a third of the season is over with before I evaluate. Okay, for the Braves, that's Saturday night. When they're done Saturday night, they'll be a third of the way done through it. So all the narratives, a Memorial Day, the June 1st, and, and a third of all of those things just keep going, pop, 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 pop. Just keep chopping them like a piece of, you know, meat on a board, right? Braves hit nine and a half games back. And the numbers don't lie when it comes to the Atlanta Braves. Listen to some of these numbers, and you'll know exactly why the Braves are where they are. Austin Riley, 161 with runners in scoring position. Eight of his 12 homers have been solo home runs. Matt Olson, remember that acquisition? 180 with runners in scoring position. Four out of his five homers are solo home runs. Ozzie Albies, he's the valedictorian of this bunch. 238 with runners in scoring position. But six of his six home runs, every home run has been solo this year. Marcelo Zuna, 188 with runners in scoring position. Seven out of his 10 homers are solo home runs. So we came into this brave season with the notion of how good and more importantly, how deep this lineup was going to be. Ronnie at the top, and you put in Olsen wherever. He's the new addition to replace Freddie, and Marcelo Zuna's back, and Riley's coming off a silver slugger year, and we brought Duvall back, and we got Rosario, and we got this guy, and we got that guy, and Dansby's in his free agent year. You maybe expect a big year out of him. Ozzie, maybe the best offensive second baseman in baseball. 
blah, 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 right? All the way down and through top to bottom. But it hasn't delivered. And, and we'll talk about their defense in just a second. But if you want to know the story of the Braves, when you have four of your main guys that are 161, 180, 238, 188, and are hitting 75, 80, 100, 70% of their home runs with nobody on base, that's the story of the Braves season is their lack of clutch. And we go back to last year and even, you know, really, if you start to look at the numbers from last year, when the Braves got hot, you know, didn't matter how big of a lead another team had this, any other, the Braves were a clutch team all year long. And then when they made the trades and got Peterson and Rosario and Solaire, they had so many clutch moments from those guys. So many moments that you look back and say, wow, that was a big moment here. That was a big moment there. This year, they can't get out of their own way. They, again, last night were just as unclutch as you could possibly be in that game against Arizona. I'm pulling up the numbers right now because I think they went over with runners in scoring position last night. And how many nights have we come on and, and talked about that? Uh, last night, the Braves were 0 for 10 with runners in scoring position. With all due respect, how are you going to win if you're 0 for 10 with runners in scoring position? How are you going to pull that off? And that's the story of the Braves. We can talk about their pitching and their bullpen and this, that, and the other. We can talk about all kinds of different things. But they have been awful when it comes to finding a way to drive in runs. And it doesn't matter how many lineup changes, how many different things Snickers tried. You know, at some point, the guys that you built your team around, you know, you, you gave Olsen the money. Riley's one of your young core. Ozzy's part of your long-term plan. Ozuna's here for the next several years. Again, we keep going back to those guys at some point have to start performing. Well, when is that? You know, that that's why I just kind of laugh when people tell me about, well, you know, I don't watch this and that I'll do this. And, you know, I wait till here. And the Braves will just flip their switch and all that. Well, when does that happen? Somebody start quantifying all of this stuff for me because you're nine and a half games back now in the division and you're not moving forward. You're, you're continuing to go backward. And so all these little milestones that people say Memorial day, June third of the sea, all these little milestones, you're going to look up and you're going to be 10, 12, 13 games behind. And then it becomes a matter of, okay, well, the Braves catch fire. Cool. What are the Mets doing? Because all the Mets keep doing is winning, 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 winning. And I can tell you right now, if you think the wild card is going to be easy with St. Louis and the Padres and the Giants and all these other teams that are really good and off to a better start than you are, you know, you when you talk about the wild card, the wild card isn't a matter of how many games back. It's a matter of how many teams you have to jump. That's what we keep forgetting about the division is it's not just the Braves have to start winning. You have to get the Mets to start losing. Now, as I've said a thousand times on this program, a radio show, this place, that place, today's the last day of the month in May. I told you June 2nd is the date to watch for the Mets. Let's see what the Mets do starting on June 1st for that next couple of weeks when they're 
in LA to take on the Dodgers. They're in San Diego to take on the Padres. They got to go play the, I call them the California angels. I don't really care what they are. They were, they were the California angels. When I grew up, that's what I'm always going to call them. California angel with Otani, you know, maybe the two best players in all of baseball with Otani and Trout and all those guys. Then you come home. If you're the Mets, when you're the Mets, and then you got to play three games with Milwaukee. So you've got a stretch of what? 13 games where you're going to fl- face really some of all of the top teams in, you know, major league baseball, you're going to face some of the best teams in major league baseball. If you're a Braves fan, you better hope the Mets go on some kind of extended losing streak, but I'll be honest with you. They haven't shown that they're about to lose a whole bunch of games. And, and it's crazy to think that no Scherzer, no DeGrom, that the Mets are hanging tough, but they are. So, you're getting to where that it's great to say that all oh, the Braves will catch fire and all this. And you zero signs. We're into, we're about to be at June 1st. And this team hasn't had a three game winning streak the entire year. But you're going to tell me that they're going to make up nine and a half games in the blink of an eye. I hope, and, and I hope that the Braves figure out how to get this thing back on track. But these numbers don't lie about where the Braves are. They've been unclutch. The Mets have found a way to win games. And you're going to have to tell me how those two things are going to switch one another. All right, when we get back, how close are the Atlanta Hawks to either of these teams that are in the NBA Finals? We'll talk about that next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Back with you on Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. I'm asking you to head over to YouTube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your browser, hit the subscribe button, leave us a comment, tell us what you think about the show, and of course, follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. We get ready for the NBA Finals a little bit later this week as Boston and Golden State will hook up. Look, two of the better franchises without a doubt in the NBA right now. And if you look, the Celtics with a first-year head coach, a couple of superstar players, play really good defense. Golden State, a team obviously built to win the NBA title. They've done it in the past. They've got all their stars in place. Even without Durant, they still look like they may be the best team in the NBA. So I asked the question, how close are the Hawks to either one of these franchises? If you look at the way that these two teams have done it, there are a lot of similarities to it. Number one is both of these franchises have drafted they're superstar players. So if you look, the, the Celtics used the third overall pick on Jason Tatum in 2017. Jalen Brown was the third overall pick uh, in 2016. Um, Marcus Smart, one of the other key players, was the sixth overall draft pick. Obviously, Golden State, we know that they drafted uh, Draymond Green uh, with the 11th, uh, or sorry, uh, Draymond Green with the 35th overall pick in the second round. They took Steph Curry with the seventh overall pick in 2009, Clay Thompson in 2011 with the with the 11th overall pick. So both these teams have done a great job at finding their star core of players through the draft. The other thing that these two teams have done a really good job of is drafting their role players, guys who have been key contributors to their team. So look at the Celtics, for instance, Grant Williams was the 22nd pick uh, in 2019. So he was a first round pick. Robert Williams was the 27th pick in the 2018 draft. We mentioned about Draymond Green. Uh, How about Kevin Looney, 30th pick overall in the 2015 draft. Jordan Poole was the 28th pick in the 2019 draft. So they've both been able to draft their stars. 
they've both been able to draft some really key role players. And then they've also, whether trade free agency, have done a good job to find a veteran to mix into their group and help them do what they do. Whether that's getting Andrew Wiggins and inserting him into Golden State's lineup, had a breakout season this year, all-star player, played terrific in the playoffs thus far, or an Al Horford for the Boston Celtics, who has given him some good moments. And look, he's in his first NBA Finals ever, ever, and he's been a definite help to that team as far as getting to this point. So there are a lot of similarities to that. So how do we compare that to the Atlanta Hawks? Well, okay, we know the Hawks have drafted one superstar, right? So we got one in trade. They haven't found that second guy yet. Could that be DeAndre Hunter? I don't know. I, I would say this as a worst case scenario that if we break down into we drafted stars, we drafted our role players, we add in a veteran, right? If that's the three kind of points of sort of similarity between these two franchises. Okay. The Hawks haven't drafted all of their stars yet. They, they still, they have one, but you got to have more than that. You have to have more than one star on your team drafted role players. Okay. They drafted Kevin Herter. They drafted Deandre Hunter. They drafted John Collins. You feel pretty good about that. Okay. Have they added a veteran in the mix to help them out? That could be Clint Capella, right? I mean, they brought Clint Capella over in a trade from Houston who had pretty decent success as a player in Houston. So yeah, they probably have that. So the Hawks though, and this is this this is this is the hardest of the three things to figure out is how do you draft more superstars? How do you get more superstars? The Hawks may have to do this in a little bit different way where they have to trade or sign through free agency another superstar. And that's where it gets to be difficult because look, if you can draft your stars, draft your key role players, then it's easy to mix in a veteran through trade or free agency or somebody like that. It gets hard when you have to try to either draft your superstar player or you have to trade or free agent because you better be an attractive enough franchise or you better be a team that looks like they're about to win to lure one of those guys or have the assets to be able to make a trade. And then when you start using your assets to make a trade, well, now you're getting rid of some of the things that helped you kind of get in this. Then you have to get rid of some of your draft picks that are your role players in this, that, and the other. And that's what makes the NBA so difficult. And that's why you have to respect teams like Boston and Golden State when you look at the way that they have built this. They haven't gone in. I know they added Durant, you know, but even look at right now. They haven't had to go in and way overspend or give up too much capital to bring another star in. They've been able to find their star players. And look, Tatum is as good as anybody in the league. He's, I don't know, maybe the best two-way player, him and Giannis, or maybe the two uh, two best two-way players in the entirety of the NBA. And obviously, Steph Curry is one of the greatest of, of all time. So they've been able to draft their superstars and keep those guys and build around those. Can the Hawks do that? I don't know. Because if the Hawks sit around and wait to draft another superstar caliber player, you could very much get past the prime of Collins. Deion. I mean, you can get past the prime of some of these guys and you're looking up and saying, okay, by the time we find our next superstar, the rest of our team is sort of a little bit on that downslope. So the Hawks 
are in a tough position to have to go find that second guy. We, we know that that's what they need, right? We know that they need another guy to play with Trey, ideally a top flight scorer. But those guys are in such demand because there's so many teams that are looking for those guys. It's rare to be able to find two teams like Golden State and Boston in the NBA Finals where they had some similar bloop. I'm not saying it's exactly the same, but they drafted their core superstars. Check, check for both teams. They've drafted their role players really well. Check, check on all of that. And then they've been able to add a veteran or two that wasn't way overpriced. You know, Wiggins was the number one overall pick in the draft, but he wasn't a way overpriced guy. Al Horford, obviously, is on the tail end of his career. He's not a way overpriced guy. But you get guys like that that come in and make contributions on your team. And remember, you know, obviously Golden State is a much older team than what Boston is. But, you know, Boston's a team that it's taken them five, six, seven years to get to this point. So I'm not panicked about the Hawks and the idea of, hey, they have to be an NBA champion or get in the NBA finals in the next year here. But how are you going to find that second guy? Because these two teams have, have given you a pretty good blueprint of how you build your squad. So all the things that the Hawks have wanted to be, they're not that far off from what these two franchises are, but they're trying to find the hardest thing that you can probably find in all of the NBA, and that is multiple superstar players, especially ones that you draft. And that's where you start to have to get into that game of what do we give up? How do we lure a guy? How much luxury tax money do we get into? It's it's not an easy position but let's see what the Hawks do in this offseason because this certainly has got to be a season to get themselves back into at least a legitimate Eastern Conference contender. All right, when we get back, um, I haven't seen this many battles for starting positions on the Falcons in quite a long time. Doesn't feel like many guys are locked into their spot right now. We'll talk about that next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Back with you on Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Reminder, head over to YouTube.com. Subscribe to our YouTube page. Put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your browser. Give us a review. Tell us what you think about the show. And, of course, follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. You know, looking at the Falcons roster and the battles that will be coming up. So we get ready for mandatory minis coming up here real soon. And then we'll get into training camp, which literally is just over a month uh, from right now. Um, Hard to believe uh, that that there are this many spots that are either up for grabs or you don't feel so confident in. I was going through the list. If you figure 11 offensive players, 11 defensive players, and let's say at, at let's say your punter and kicker, so 24 spots, right? I look right now and say, okay, who is pretty much guaranteed to be a starter, and especially guys that were here from last year, right now. Jake at left tackle, um, Cordero Patterson at, at running back, Lindstrom at right guard, Pitts at tight end, Grady at one of the defensive tackle spots, A.J. Terrell at a cornerback spot, and Youngway Koo is your kicker. Now, I think we have some idea of other guys that are figured out that are going to be started. Casey Hayward is going to be a starter, but he wasn't here last year. If we're looking at guys that were here last year that are going to be starters for this team, that's seven guys out of 24. That's seven guys. So obviously this roster is in a massive overhaul mode. And I guess, you know, you could potentially throw Deion Jones into that, 
But there's a lot of rumor and innuendo, obviously, about whether Deion Jones is going to be here. So for right now, I'm not going to put Deion Jones' name on the list because he could very well be cut. He could be traded. He could not be part of this roster, very likely, coming up in, you know, weeks or months, you know, from right now. So you look at seven guys out of out of 24 that you feel confident that from last year are ready to be your starters again. Now, there's a whole mix of guys that have been here on this team that have the chance to be starters. Marlon Davidson could be a starter. Richie Grant, Jalen Hawkins, right? I mean, you've moved on from some guys. So whether it's some of your pieces that you've drafted over the last couple of years, obviously, Hennessy, Mayfield, McGarry. But right now, a lot of those spots are not set in stone. I think there's only seven spots right now that you could set in stone. You could chisel it in granite and say, these guys were here last year. These guys are going to be our starters. Okay. And then from there, okay, I feel pretty confident that Casey Hayward is going to be a starter at one corner. I feel pretty confident that either Grant or Hawkins or both are going to be starters in the secondary. Michael Walker is probably going to be a potential starter, but maybe not. I feel probably Lorenzo Carr. You can sort of say if, 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 if when it comes to some of these guys, but that's not very many guys. And that that's also not many guys at some of the most key positions on your football field. Quarterback being one. Yeah, we think that Mariota is going to be the starter, but he is going to have some competition from Ritter. Yeah, we think that Ebicady and Carter are going to be our starting outside linebackers, our pass rushing guys, but there's going to be some competition there. Whether that is a Michael Walker or whether that is a D'Angelo Malone or whatever, there is at least some competition there before we just go out and say, and forget, by the way, what, you know, if you go online, you read what the, the depth charts, the depth charts don't mean anything right now. That's just fool's gold, you know, and everything. I'm talking about that there's actually going to be legitimate competition because Marcus Mariota is going to be listed as your quarterback one right now, but that doesn't mean that if Ritter balls out in the preseason that he can't win that starting job. So it does tell you where the Falcons are right now as far as how bad, how unsettled the roster is. And I'll be honest with you, I can't even remember the last time. You know, for several years, whether it was – 17, 18, 19, you know, those couple of years, couple few years after the Super Bowl, you only had about one or two spots maybe that were up for grabs as far as who your starters were. Because you had your veterans in Matt and Julio and Devontae Freeman and, you know, even Muhammad Sanu and, and you had Jake and you had Alex Mack and guys like that, right? And then you had your young core that were pretty locked in Debo, Grady, Keanu Neal mixed in with the um, uh, some uh, a few of the veteran guys. Um, uh, trying to remember the the, the safety that uh, now my brain just went dead. I, I forgot the the safety, but you, you you had some of those guys that were your core main pieces. Ricardo Allen, there you go. My my brain just kicked back in for just saying. See what happens when you get old. Your brain just eventually remembers some. So you had some of those pieces that you knew were starters, young guys older vets, things like that, you didn't have very many spots that were up for grabs. You know, even even with Vic Beasley here, you felt like coming off the Super Bowl, okay, for the next couple of years, we're going to have Vic here to at least be through his fifth-year option, and we'll have him as one of our locked-in starters. So you haven't had a lot of competition over these few years. So you look at this Falcons team right now, 
and how much that they've have to go in and revamp the roster. And look, that's why I wonder how quickly at times this, we're not calling it a rebuild. We're not calling it a retool. We're calling it, I don't know, or even calling it a reset. I don't know what their term is nowadays. They don't want to admit to anything. I get that they're trying to win. And I think that they will win some more games than, than what people expect them to, because I think they've brought in some good pieces and I think they've drafted well, especially this year, that they'll get some net results right away. But you think about how sort of up in the air this roster is, it tells you about where why a lot of people think that the Falcons could be one of the worst teams in the NFL. You know, why some people are picking them to be three and 14, two and 15, four and 13, right? There's a reason why you've got this few positions and one of them being kicker, right? I mean, out of your starting 22, you have maybe six guys year over year that you feel like they started last year for me and they can start this year for me. That ain't much. And we talk about some key positions, outside linebacker slash edge player, We talk about inside linebacker. We talk about right tackle in the NFL. We talk about, you know, potentially a second corner. You know, we haven't even talked about safety. There's a lot of key positions on this football team that have not been figured out yet. And so that's what this, you know, preseason training camp, all that is going to be fascinating to see about, okay, what guys do we feel confident about going into this year with? And what guys do we feel like we can build around for the long term? You know, we've got three spots on our offensive line that right now nobody knows who's going to be the starter outside left tackle and right guard. That's not a good position to be in. And there are guys that have been drafted on the roster that we just haven't seen perform up to their you know capabilities. So we will see. But we're getting close to mandatory minis and training camp, and it'll all come around. But expect a lot of positional battles for the Atlanta Falcons. All right. We appreciate that you being part of the show today. Thanks for making hitting hard with John Trekker your first listen. Don't forget. We want your second listen to be my friends, Jarvis Davis and Tanitra Batiste. ATL day ones is your show. Speaking to the heart of the city of Atlanta, Braves, Falcons, Hawks, Bulldogs, you name it, man. They are covering everything for you. A couple of friends chopping it up and uh, always a good time there. Make sure you find them as well on our Locked On Sports Atlanta YouTube page. Subscribe to that as well. And you can find it free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. We will be back with you tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.